This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Today is going to be part four in our 10-part series, breaking down the 10 biggest questions that are going to determine if the New York Jets are going to be a playoff team in 2019. If you missed the first three episodes, they are all available on the feed. Check out episode one about if Sam Darnold can make the leap. Episode two on if Le'Veon Bell can regain his form from when he was on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And episode three on if C.J. Mosley can prove he was worth that much money. We are recording live today from the Vivid Seat Studios, and we want to remind you that with... Promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app. You save $100 on all ticket purchases, first-time customers only. Today's episode is going to focus on Robbie Anderson and if he could truly be the New York Jets' lead receiver and reach a level that we haven't seen from him in his first three seasons. Just like the other three episodes, this one's going to go about 20 minutes or so, and then we will be back tomorrow with yet another episode, followed by five more to round out the full 10 topics that we are going to cover, which will lead us right into week one. So, Robbie Anderson... Heading into his fourth year with the New York Jets, former undrafted free agent uh, for all the criticism that we rightly levied at Mike McCagnan, one of his best finds was finding Robbie Anderson as an undrafted free agent, a guy who was able to make an impact in his rookie year on a disappointing 2016 New York Jets team, took advantage of Eric Decker's injury in 2017 really took a major jump forward and narrowly missed 1,000 yards, finishing with 63 receptions for 941 yards and seven touchdowns. Had a really nice chemistry, particularly on the deep ball with Josh McCown. Struggled a lot when Bryce Petty had to play quarterback because Bryce Petty is not a good quarterback. I don't think there's any doubt that if McCown had started all 16 games in 2017, that Robbie Anderson would have an 1,000-yard season under his belt, and he very well may have met 10 touchdowns and only his second season in the league. Last year, Anderson overcame a bit of a slow start, still took a step back numerically uh, with his production in the stat book, finished with 50 catches for 752 yards and six touchdowns. Did lose a couple fumbles early in the season, uh, but cleaned that up in the back half of the year and finished particularly strong with Sam Darnold. During Darnold's hot stretch uh, against Buffalo, Houston, and Green Bay, Anderson went four receptions for 76 yards with a touchdown against Buffalo, seven receptions for 96 yards with a touchdown against Houston, and then nine catches for 140 yards with a touchdown against Green Bay. Uh, the most consistent stretch of production that Anderson had last year and really looked the part of Sam Darnold's lead receiver, something that he has continued to do so far this preseason where he caught all five of his targets for 92 yards, including a deep ball last week against the New Orleans Saints. I think the main question with Anderson is that when most people look at the Jets group of wide receivers, he is the presumed quote-unquote wide receiver one. And I think that Wide receiver one is a little bit of an overrated thing in today's NFL. I think you want a wider range of targets from multiple positions who you could evenly distribute targets throughout. There's only a handful of true guys who fit that 
quote-unquote WR1 level. You know, Odell Beckham, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, A.J. Green previously when he was healthy, T.Y. Hilton. It's not a common thing that most teams have and is not something that is necessarily a prerequisite uh, for being a Super Bowl contender or regularly being a playoff contender. Of course, it's a nice to have, but you want multiple options of guys who do different things in the passing game. Despite all that, the Jets need a guy who could get over a thousand yards. And can Anderson be that guy who is more consistent over sixteen games, can get to that one thousand to eleven hundred yard range, and match or exceed that seven touchdown total that he had at his best in twenty seventeen? Can he be a guy who gets nine or ten touchdowns in a season if he has Sam Darnold for all sixteen games? The biggest problem with Anderson through his first three years has been consistency. He's basically a streak shooter, someone, you know, your NBA equivalent of like a J.R. Smith, a guy who gets really hot, hits a bunch of threes, uh, but then disappears for large stretches of the season. If you look at Anderson last year, he starts off the season with the one catch for one touchdown against Detroit uh, for 41 yards, then goes 27 yards against Miami, 22 yards against Cleveland. 18 yards against Jacksonville before he explodes against Denver for 123 yards and two touchdowns, then goes back to really being cold before he gets into that stretch that we talked about, 39 yards, 44 yards, 32 yards, 22 22 yards, 48 yards, uh, then had the three big games. And it was a similar thing in 2017 when he was a little more productive overall. But his production was bunched. He had back-to-back games over 100 yards against Carolina and Kansas City. Uh, had a pair of touchdowns in that Carolina game. Uh, and the week before that against Tampa had 85 yards and a touchdown. Two weeks before that, 104 yards and a touchdown against Atlanta. But you look at some other stretches that he had. He closed the season 27 yards, 40 yards, 51 yards, and 2 yards. That, of course, was not helped by Bryce Platy playing quarterback. But even earlier in the year when McCown was under center, he starts off the year 22 yards, 28 yards, spikes up with the 95 yards against Miami and then 59 against Jacksonville, but then drops back down to 16 against Cleveland and then two weeks later only has 35 against Miami. So too many games where he kind of disappears completely and something that's actually been really a reoccurring problem for him It's his production against New England. New England has completely shut him down in every game he has played against the Patriots. You go back to 2017, the first time he was really playing, he had three targets for one reception and two yards in the Jets' regular season finale. Earlier in the year against them, 12 targets and only four catches for 76 yards and no touchdowns. Four catches on 12 targets is extremely ugly, regardless of the yardage production. Uh, Anderson also played against them in 2016 when he was playing in the back half of the year. But looking at 2018, last game of the year, eight targets, three catches, 24 yards, no touchdowns. Earlier in the year when the teams met, five targets, two catches, 22 yards. And then going back to the game he played against them in 2016, three targets, zero receptions, zero yards. So New England has done a really good job, I think, of getting physical with him at the line of scrimmage and completely taking him out of the games that they've had against the Jets when he's been a prominent uh, receiver in their offense. And you play New England twice every year. They're the best team in the division. They're arguably the best team in the conference. If Anderson is going to be their lead receiver, he needs to find a way to have at least a representative performance against them. Four or five catches, 60, 70 yards, much more efficient with his targets. And 
you know, how New England has been able to shut him down, I think, is the major question around Anderson. They get physical with him. They take away his big plays outside the numbers and try to force him to do things he's not comfortable with. The conventional wisdom on Anderson is that he is strictly a vertical threat. He's going to beat you deep for a few nine rounds a season, make some big plays, but cannot run after the catch, does not have a diversified round tree, route tree, and struggles with ball security. And I think if you look at how he played in 2016, that was fairly accurate most of the time. I do think he made major strides in 2017, and the Jets did a better job of using him on a greater diversity of routes. And while he's never going to be great after the catch, he did show a little bit more of an ability to take a short drag route or a short crossing route, turn up the field and convert more yards, and at least maximize what yards were available out there with the way he runs with the football. I think there was a step back in early 2018, particularly when he lost a couple fumbles, when he dealt with contact. But on the back half of the season, again, was able to show a little more route diversity. And I think what's been encouraging in the preseason is that you saw him go over the middle on a slant route and move the chains on third down uh, on top of the normal stuff that he's regularly able to do outside the numbers. Anderson's bread and butter is always going to be a nine route outside the numbers and then working stops and comeback routes off that. However, the Jets need to be able to put him in motion and send him on crossing routes, use him on slant routes where he could get more favorable matchups so he could keep the defense guessing more regularly. He's never going to make most of his production inside the numbers, but if he could be used with a little more flexibility than Jeremy Bates did last year, he should be that much more difficult to match up with, and he'll also be benefited by having more talent around him. This is a guy who was regularly working with his second, third, and fourth pass-catching options being Andre Roberts, Deontay Burnett, and Elijah McGuire. That's certainly not going to be the case this year, and he's someone who's going to be one of the biggest beneficiaries of having Jamison Crowder in the slot, hopefully a healthy Quincy Inouye opposite him, and then Le'Veon Bell in the backfield as someone who's going to be a regular target and probably be the guy who leads the Jets in receptions this year. I think if you were betting... I would bet on Le'Veon Bell and Jamison Crowder to have more total targets and receptions than Robbie Anderson, but I would bet on Robbie Anderson to have the most receiving yards and receiving touchdowns of any player on the Jets roster because he's going to have that big yards per catch average because he's going to make those big plays down the field. Last year averaged over 15 yards per catch, uh, and that's something that's just going to be a common thing with the way that teams are going to, the way the Jets are going to attack down the field with him. And that 15 yards per catch matches exactly what what he did the year before, uh, and he's someone who has a high volume of catches that are going to be over 20 yards, a high volume of catches that are going to be even over 40 yards, if not even longer, because that's the guy you take your home run sings with, because when it comes to straight line speed and the feel for running a nine route and not having your stem push too far to the sideline uh, and giving your quarterback a good bucket to throw the ball in, Anderson is one of the best young vertical threats in the game. It's just how many more pieces can he add to diversify how he's going to produce and how he could actually become a more consistent receiver who even on his off weeks could give you 40 or 50 yards because that's how you're going to be a guy who gets 1,000 yards, 1,100 yards. And if he could get that threshold for the Jets, I don't think there's any doubt that they're going to look to give him another contract. You know, Joe Douglas was part of the front office that tried to trade for him last year. The Jets did smartly hold on to him. And I think just like they extended Quincy Inouye and paid Jamerson Crowder, they want to pay Robbie Anderson. I think they're confident his off-the-field issues are behind him, and he's someone that could really be a lead receiver for Sam Darnold going forward. Now, that hasn't been proven out yet. We need to see 
16 healthy and productive games from Anderson where he really gets over the hump and you look and say, okay, that's a guy who was right at around 1,100 yards, got eight, nine touchdowns. That's production that when you round it out with what Le'Veon Bell, Chris Herndon, Jamison Crowder, and Quincy Inouye is doing, that's enough from our quote-unquote lead receiver. We want to continue to invest on him. And if he produces like that, it likely means that Sam Darnold had a really solid season because Anderson's a guy who's going to provide those big plays down the field for him uh, and help pump up Darnold's stats a little bit because you know a lot of what Darnold's going to do is going to be quick releases in the short to intermediate passing game. But if he wants to be someone who's going to regularly throw for 300 yards he's got to hit the 40 and 50 yarders to Robbie Anderson when he takes those swings so it was encouraging to see them connect on a 44 yarder against the Saints uh, in the third preseason game because you know Anderson that is again that's going to be the main thing that he always brings to the offense so Adam Gase has talked a lot about diversifying his usage. That was something that was a sore spot that Anderson was very public about last year. His route tree was very constrained, maybe even more constrained than it was in 2017 under John Morton when he was able to get a little more flexibility with going in motion and lining up in the slot and getting some different matchups. So I hope, like we saw in the preseason, we see a little more of Anderson on rub routes and on slant routes uh, and maybe in the red zone doing things that utilize his height a little bit rather than just putting him in a box uh, and only having him do routes outside the numbers. That's always going to be the majority of what he does, but if they could just even out the percentages a little bit, it's never going to get fully. He's not, never going to be a, you know, a Michael Thomas or a DeAndre Hopkins where he has a really clean distribution between post, dig, stop, you know, jerk routes, any other thing that works over the middle. But if they could just even out those percentages a little more, Uh, It will go a long way to make Anderson that much more difficult to defend, uh, along with the built-in benefit of, you know, teams are not going to really double him. There might be some weeks teams try to double him uh, if he beats them early in the game, but I don't know if your defense, how you could feasibly say, you know, we're going to double Robbie Anderson at the cost of freeing up Le'Veon Bell in the running game or underneath. You think Bell is going to be really the primary focus of what defenses are trying to take away. And some weeks, particularly if he has the volume of targets that a lot of us are expecting, teams may go more above and beyond to take away Jamison Crowder if he shows that much comfort with Sam Darnold in the short to intermediate passing game. And we know Adam Gase loves to use his slot receivers at a high volume. So there's going to be a lot of weeks where Anderson regularly has one-on-one matchups. And there are very few cornerbacks in the NFL who have the ability to run with him. You saw what he did to a pretty talented guy in Bradley Roby last year where he just ran by him, no matter what the cushion is. And unless you get really physical with Anderson at the line of scrimmage, he's very difficult to stop when he gets ahead of steam going. So if you even if you give him a five, six, seven yard cushion, he could eat up that cushion as well as many he's in the top tier of receivers in the league when it comes to that. Eating up a corner's cushion, stacking them on the vertical route and getting behind them potentially for a big play. So when you look at that, you know, early part of the schedule that we regularly reference here as being so critical for the Jets to, you know, tread water and overcome, they're playing some what is projected to be high-power offenses. Not so much Buffalo Week 1, but Cleveland, New England, Philadelphia. The Jets are going to have to score in the high 20s and low 30s to win that game, to win those games. And, you know, those are challenging secondaries. And they have New England twice in the first six weeks. They cannot have Anderson 
two yards, ten yards, fifteen yards. He needs to show up in those games, get make impact plays. Otherwise, there's no way the Jets are going to score enough points to beat New England, especially when they're playing in New England. And a similar deal with Cleveland. He's going to have to be able to beat guys like Denzel Ward or whoever else they throw out at him on the outside because Cleveland's going to score points against the Jets' secondary. And if the Jets want to beat them, they're going to need big games from Sam Darnold. And a big game from Sam Darnold is very likely going to mean a big game from Robbie Anderson. Uh, Same deal when you're going against an Eagles secondary that has been a little bit in flux, but when they're healthy, is a challenging unit to go against. But that's going to be a game that the Jets are likely going to be projected to lose. And if they're going to beat Philly on the road, they're going to have to put up points. So you're going to need Anderson uh, to show up in these early games. And we've said it before, for the Jets to tread water due to their depth issues, they need their quote-unquote great players to be great. Now, is Anderson in that tier with Jamal Adams, C.J. Mosley, and Le'Veon Bell? No, he's not there yet. He hasn't proven himself to be. He's never been a pro bowler. He's never sniffed an all-pro. And it's going to be a tough thing to do, candidly, in the AFC. But he is in that sort of second tier of players on their roster where they need their very good players and guys who want to be paid like they're great uh, and play the role of being great on this team need to rise to that occasion. Uh, And Anderson, kind of similar to Darnold in a way, is someone that everyone is banking on taking a big leap this year. And if Darnold is going to make that leap, I think the hope is that Anderson makes that leap alongside him. I don't think, even in the best case scenario, he's a guy who's going to be an all-pro receiver. But can he have 1,050 yards, 65 catches, and 8 touchdowns and be a Pro Bowl alternate who gets a second contract from the Jets? Absolutely. And I think if Darnold does take that leap, that type of production is going to be there from Anderson. And if the Jets have Anderson as that credible of a threat on the outside and Le'Veon Bell gets to 85 or 90% of the player he was in Pittsburgh, that's a really credible top two weapons for Sam Donald to be working with as a second-year quarterback. Now, hopefully, Jameson Crowder, Quincy Inouye, Chris Herndon, and Ty Montgomery round that collection out. But as a starting point, if Anderson can reach that threshold concurrently with Bell doing it, that's the real starting point of a quality offense for the Jets, and it will give them an ability to compete in most weeks, even if their defense is struggling with some of the problems that they're inevitably going to have in the secondary and with their pass rush.